It seems that no matter where you look, there's pop culture news flying around everywhere. But how can you keep up so you're ready to roll when a new episode of the Popcast comes out? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was one place where you could go to get all the news you want? Then boy do I have good news for you, because Flipboard is here to help. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard, and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. Used by millions of people every day, Flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward. Get started now at Flipboard.com. That's Flipboard.com. This is episode 24 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Maureen, how was your Thanksgiving? Delightful. How was yours? It was great. We were together. I know. It was weird the way you asked me that, but I went with it. We went to Boston to visit Maureen's brother and sister-in-law. Thank you to them for their hospitality. We had it was great, awesome. We had a great time in Boston. It was so fun. Boston is a great city. I was particularly excited because I got to eat a lobster roll. And we got to go to Sam Adams Brewery. Yes, we did go to Sam Adams, which is really fun. What I did learn is that the brewery in Boston is an experimental brewery. It's where they sort of test out new recipes. And the, the, the ones they have in Pennsylvania and Ohio are the ones where they make the bulk of their beer. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? I really liked they were testing a table called the table beer table beer which was like a wheat kind of beer if i remember correctly yeah it was really really good it It was good and it's not available yet but we did a little survey afterwards and maybe it'll be available soon yeah and it was really just nice like staying with kevin and kathy and just getting to like live there we felt like we were right at home we felt like bostonians Mm -hmm. not really we survived the cold that's pretty good we did Maureen, a little bit of follow-up from our last episode where we talked about the Friends Thanksgiving episodes. As our listeners might remember, the the episode that I chose is my favorite one, which is the one where Chandler doesn't like dogs, the season seven Thanksgiving episode. Well, I went back and did some research about uh, lists that people put together where they rank the episodes, and that one consistently comes in close to the bottom. In fact, so low on some lists that it even comes in below the season two episode that doesn't with have to do with, that doesn't have to do with thanksgiving almost at all oh my gosh well our listener michelle said that she really liked the episode you liked so that's some validation that's some validation. and kevin and kathy my brother and sister-in-law also watched all of the thanksgiving episodes and i think they liked that one too it's a good episode i don't think there's any bad episode i think people don't particularly like it sometimes because rachel's main storyline is with tag and he's kind of a dud character that doesn't last for very long so i get it but it's it's still one that tickles me. Maureen, should we jump into the snack bag? Yeah, we've got some good snacks this week. Okay, our first snack bag topic is something that you probably couldn't have missed. It it was hard to miss this. Last week, Disney released the first trailer of the live action remake of The Lion King. It came last out. Minya. They released it last Thursday on Thanksgiving. And in just 24 hours, it had something like 250 million views across all the different platforms. Yeah. So it was 
one of the most popular movie trailers that had ever come out. And it was only a minute and 30 seconds. It is almost shot for shot the same as the opening of the the original Lion King, the animated film. Maureen, what were your thoughts on this trailer? Well, at first when I heard about it, I was skeptical because I was like, the original Lion King is so good, I don't know why you need a remake. You weren't the only one who was skeptical because I was too. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> um, but then, I don't know. I think I liked it because it was shot for shot. It doesn't seem like they're doing like a whole rethinking of the Lion King. It's more just like they're taking the animated version and animating it by today's standards. And it looks really good. I think I was initially against the idea because... I don't understand. It, it's going to be weird. And, and we didn't see this in the trailer. So it still remains to be seen if this is going to be weird. But the animals that they've animated look real. They are photorealistic animals. And I think it's a little weird when you see animations like that talking. So in this trailer, we didn't actually see the photorealistic Why lions. Why would it be weird? They're animals that talk. Right. But in the animated film, it's like clearly a cartoon. And yeah. so that's fine that the animals talk. But when it's photorealistic... <laughs> the lines of Josh's reality are going to be blurred and he can't handle it. Yeah, it just seems weird. But the trailer did look really good. Little Simba looked so cute. And I think it'll be pretty good. And I think, and my hope is, that they are going to include some of the good songs that they added for the Broadway production. So... The Broadway soundtrack of The Lion King is one of my favorites. So if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. There's a couple songs in there that are really good, including one called He Lives in You that Mufasa sings originally, and then they sing a reprise of it later, and that's Rafiki singing it. It's really good. And I have a feeling they're going to add some of these songs. There are a couple others, too, that I really like. So we'll see. Comes I'm all out, about more songs. Let's comes do out it. next July, and we will see. Oh my gosh, from there. July! Why did they release it so early? They just wanted to give people a tease, oh, and people were clearly interested. That's just you ridiculous. know what comes out before that? What the live action Aladdin? No. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's happening. Disney is capitalizing on all of their properties. Well, money, 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 money. Maureen, I read this article just recently. We talked a little bit about Joanna Gaines last week or two weeks ago, when we were last on our podcast, and about how she and Chip are starting their own television channel. This week, I read that Joanna Gaines is trying to get some more money, trying to get that moolah. She's starting a clothing line for kids. Are you interested? Would you purchase Magnolia clothes? Because I'm guessing that's what they're going to be called. I mean, if they're at Target, maybe. I mean, her home line is at Target. Don't you just think these clothes are going to be too expensive? Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, we're... But I, I think a lot of people will purchase them. So here's my thing. They are like content machines. I don't know. Is there anyone who does it as well as them? I mean... I'm I, sure. But, but I dare say even... Oprah doesn't have a clothing line, does she? Uh, does she have a know. home design line? I mean, they've got they've got a TV show. I mean, you can't compare them to Oprah yet. No, I'm not okay. I clearly think Oprah has like m created more. I mean, like she was a newscaster. Like the content that she created is a lot more substantive. But she's a billion times more famous than Chip and Joanna yes, Gaines. Yes, 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 yes. I'm just. I'm just, and her influence is so much bigger than theirs. Yes. And uh, that's not my point. What, okay, the point but that you I'm compared making, it to Oprah. No, they're just in so many different things. 
Yeah, that's fair. They're maybe in more things than... But that doesn't mean that's a good thing. No, doesn't mean they're just, doing everything well. It's just like they just, they write, they want to write a book. They write a book and millions of people buy it. They want to have a TV show. Well, the TV show started it. That's not a good example. They want to design a home line. They design it. It's in Target and everyone loves it. Now she's doing clothes. They're going to go gangbusters because it's a Chip and Joanna product. So it's just really interesting to me. They're, they have a magazine. They have, I, like, I, I don't know. I, they're I, certainly doing a lot, but I don't know if that makes it good. I don't think it makes it bad. No, I didn't say it was bad. I'm just saying that just because they're doing a lot of stuff doesn't mean everything is excellent. I guess where I'm coming from is I'm just kind of in awe and like observing, wow, how many different things can you actually have your foot in? And at some point, it just has to be your entourage. Like, did did she actually design these things? Probably not. Anyway... I saw this and I thought, do they really need something else? And they're going to have something else. So, But why not? If someone came up to you and was like, hey, want to make a clothing line? Uh, you'd be like, maybe. Sure. I guess. I know it's going to go gangbusters and what a fun, cool new thing to try. You guys, I'm sorry. I have to stop talking about the Gaineses right now because our cat is the cutest thing in the entire world. He's sleeping on the bed next to us. We're sitting on the floor recording this and he just like stretched out his little cat paw. He's so tired. Oliver had a health scare yeah, this past week. Yeah, it's been a week. rough week. He had to go to the cat emergency room and stay there for two nights and had an MRI and a spinal tap. And He's back, though, and he's feeling better. Oh, poor little guy. Okay, let's move on to our final snack bag topic here. Today was sort of the official, or I, I should say unofficial, kickoff of the award season, the movie award season. Today we got the New York Film Critics Circle Awards. Basically, all the New York film critics get together and they vote on their awards for the past year. So this is sort of like the beginning of this awards season that will last through the Oscars in February. What's interesting about these awards are that they don't always line up with the Oscars. And and in fact, in the last 10 years, they rarely match up exactly with what the winners of the Oscars will be. But it's still interesting to note kind of what was recognized by this prestigious body of New York film critics and the big winner of today was the film Roma which Morn and I talked about it looked like the worst preview of all the previews you showed me yeah we talked about previews a couple uh, like a month or two ago and this is one of the ones we talked about this is a film directed by Alfonso Cuaron and it won three awards from the New York film critics circle today won best film best director and best cinematography. We're going to have to see it. I think the good thing about this is that it's going to be on Netflix. It's a Netflix film, so we'll be able to watch it at home starting December 14th. How can Netflix and Amazon produce content like that just based on the subscription money? Well, this film in particular, they didn't produce, so they didn't front the money to, to make the film, but they did purchase the rights to the film after it was made. So they paid $20 million to distribute the film, and their strategy for distribution is to release it in limited engagements around the country, and it's all over Mexico because Alfonso Curran is Mexican, and then they're going to release it on their platform. So basically, they want to get it in theaters so that they're eligible for an Academy Award, but then they want to get it in his... In, front of as many people as they, they possibly can doing that well more subscribers so i think the idea is that they have these prestige 
films and TV shows and that more and more people will be drawn to the platform because well, they own the rights. for less than the price of a movie ticket, you can have a month of, am- of Netflix. That's right. And there are tons of movies. There's tons of TV shows. So I don't know. They're clearly a huge company. And it'll be interesting to see if Roma can continue its momentum throughout the award season. Next week, we're going to get the Golden Globe nominations. So it'll be interesting to see what makes that list. I am guessing Roma will certainly make that list. There were some other yeah, interesting... Yeah, are there any other like, mentions on this one? There is only one film that we have seen that made this list, and it was the best first feature, and that went to 8th Grade, which was a film directed by Bo Burnham. Maureen and I watched it a couple weeks ago. So it's a good film and certainly a good breakthrough directorial debut from him. But I don't know if it'll be a big player this award season. She was really great, though. Yeah, Elsie Fisher is a young woman. I would love for her to be nominated for something. She plays the main character in eighth grade, and she's really good. She was only 14 when she made the film, and I'm not sure she had much acting experience before, at least not on film. It's a very authentic and moving performance, I thought. Yeah. The only other one that was interesting to me was... Uh, a film that won a couple of awards, Best Actor and Best Screenplay for a film called First Reformed. I'd heard a little bit about this film. It was something that came out earlier in the year and the actor in it is Ethan Hawke and apparently he's supposed to be really good. I think it's out for renting now, so maybe we'll check it out and let you know what we think. Maureen, should we move on to our marquee topic for this week? Yeah, let's do it. This is an exciting one. We've mentioned this show before, but Josh had the idea to do a deep dive into The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So this is more original content as we've been talking about. This one is on Amazon. And I'll let Josh give us some stats. For whatever it's worth, just so you know, there will be some spoilers in our discussion ahead. It's not a very spoilery show. It's not like there's a big mystery or anything. But we will be talking about the entire first season, which came out in November 2017 after the pilot, which was released in March of 2017, was met with critical acclaim. So what Amazon was doing for a while, I'm not sure if they still do it anymore, is that they would release the pilot and sort of have people vote on what they wanted to see more of. And I guess this one was met with a lot of people saying they wanted to see more. So this was created by Amy Sherman Palladino, who is probably most famous for creating Gilmore Girls, which is a show that Maureen has watched in its entirety. So good. I've never seen the a full season. I'm not even sure I've seen a full episode of Gilmore Girls. Well, we should watch it together. I have certainly what a seen, lovely idea, honey. I've I certainly seen Maureen watch a couple episodes, so I know some of the faces when I would pass by the TV when she was watching it. So anyway, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel stars Rachel Brosnahan as Miriam Midge Maisel, as they call her in the show. And it won two Golden Globes last year for Best Television Series, Musical or Comedy, and Best Actress, Musical or Comedy. And it also won eight Emmys at this year's Emmy Awards, including Outstanding Comedy Series, Outstanding Lead Actress for Rachel Brosnahan, Outstanding Supporting Actress for Alex Borstein, Outstanding Directing, and Outstanding Writing both for Amy Sherman-Palladino for the pilot. This is by far, up to this point at least, Amazon's best performing original content to date, although they just released their very buzzed about series Homecoming that stars Julia Roberts that Maureen and I have started to watch. Anyway, the reason I wanted to do this podcast about Mrs. Maisel was because season two premieres next week on December 5th. So I thought, let's do a deep dive into the first season and then get everybody ready for season two. So I'll just say too that when Josh and I started watching this show, it was like we couldn't stop watching it. We just 
binge watched it. It was like a couple nights in a row. We watch a few episodes every night. And then one night, Josh fell asleep on the couch during one of the episodes. And I just kept going because I was incensed that he was falling asleep. Sometimes Josh likes to take night naps, as he likes to call them. It's totally normal. It's and not totally, totally fine. He'll sleep for like two hours from like the seven to 10 period. That's three hours. No, but you'll sleep for oh, two hours within, within, that, that, within period. that time period. And then he like is up and he stays up like really, really late. Anyway, I would say it's so, more. I would say it's okay. Let me. I have, to, I have to talk about the night naps real quick before he, we get back yeah, to okay. Mrs. Maisel. Okay. The night naps are totally normal. It helps me get to my productive part of the evening. I am most productive in the evening, and if I'm a little tired, sometimes I'll just close my eyes on the couch. But it's just sad for me because those are the hours that I'm awake and home from work with you. It's not for. Let, let's just set the record straight. It's not every night. And it's not always two hours. It's It can span up to two hours. Sometimes it's only 15 minutes while Maureen's making dinner. Come on, c- give me that. It's not always two hours That's and it's not every night. Guys, I'm going to start taking some pictures of night naps. And next episode, we'll put them in the show notes. Okay, so let's talk about Mrs. Maisel. Maureen is right. We started watching the show. We're really into it. Then we sort of fell off. But I just recently watched the season finale of the first season there are only eight episodes so there's still plenty of time for you to catch up if you're interested in getting into the show before oh, wait, season my, my two whole point was that we like were obsessed with this and then all of a sudden like i had one episode left and you had i think two or three and we just kind of like stopped watching it it was very odd for us um but we both rewatched or watched the last episode last night so it's fresh in our minds but i was just reminded how good it is and i was like I thought how silly I was to like not finish it. It's really addictive. So or addicting. I never remember which one is correct grammatically. Someone please tweet us or write us and leave us a note and tell me. All right, Maureen, I want to start with what do you think is the overall impact of the show? And you can take it any way you want. And I'll just start by saying that I think that the biggest impact the show has had is on Amazon as a content producer, because this really put them on the map in terms of original content. Up to this point, I think Netflix had dominated sort of the conversation about original content. So I think for Amazon, this is a good thing for them. I guess they had Transparent. I guess they had Transparent. They had a ton. That won a ton of awards. But I think this one seemed to transcend that. It was it was like it was in a different conversation than even Transparent, which was billed as a comedy, but maybe was more of a drama anyway. So I don't know. I th- feel like this one was just a breakthrough for them. Okay. I think that the biggest impact has maybe been for Amy Sherman Palladino and how this has really legitimized her. She's always been incredibly talented. She's always gotten a lot of praise for Gilmore Girls, but... But it was never like an awards contender. Right. And so I think this is, you know, people are really realizing, wow, she she can create a world and she can make you love these people and bring it to life. And that's really spectacular. Speaking of her, she's a very unique individual. She wore like the most... Yeah, she was kind of like out there outfit for okay, the Emmys. Not the most out there. It was kind of weird. She had like a I, steampunk. I, yeah, it was like for some reason I'm picturing in my head. I don't know if this is exactly true. Did she wear a tiny top hat or did she wear it a top a, hat? It was a top. It was a hat atop her head. It was a top hat of some. And sort. it wasn't tiny. Well, we have a tiny top hat. I think is what you're thinking of yeah. from, from Halloween. I'm conflating two, two ideas. Okay, Maureen, do you have a favorite scene or episode from the show? I mean, the moment where she first does her stand-up, so Midge, the main character, 
spoilers start coming here, but basically she's this very wealthy Jewish woman on the Upper West Side, East Side. In New York somewhere. Shoot, I can't believe I don't remember that. But her family's wealthy and she marries this great guy and his family is pretty well off and she's just living in this amazing apartment with like six rooms and her, you know, nannies and all this stuff. And her husband like has an affair and leaves her. And she gets really drunk and she goes down and she performs at this comedy spot where he used to perform and she is so good. And I just, that that scene is in the pilot and it's just on fire and that's where what really hooked me what about you do you have favorite i think i was going to say the same thing i think that that really demonstrates what the show is going to be and i think it's a really good showcase for rachel brosnahan so i think that would be my scene as well i really also liked the, a similar moment in the at the last episode of the season um the one we watched last night which is you know, she's been practicing now and she basically goes back on stage and she's seasoned and she crushes it again. I think one of the other things that I really like, and this sort of segues into our next discussion topic here, are all the scenes between Midge and her dad, played by Tony Shalhoub. And he's such a fun character, uh, which is our next little topic we're going to talk about, which is who is your favorite character. And mine is, it, you know, if I'm setting Midge aside, because I think that would probably be everybody's favorite character, I think it's Tony Shalhoub's character. I think that he brings this really fun energy to this role, playing Mrs. Maisel's father. And all the scenes between him and Midge, especially the one in the, the very last episode of the season, where, where Midge tells him that she and her husband might be getting back together, he's mostly quiet and very reserved, but then he has this moment where he sort of breaks out. And I thought that was really, really good. So he would also be my pick for favorite character if I wasn't going to choose Midge. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would choose her. I, I think the show really is her. So Right, but if you couldn't choose her. I, then I would choose nobody. I oh, would choose like wow. the baby daughter who like doesn't even show her face. She's always in a carriage. What I was going to say about the father, because I really, I, I, th I had a similar feeling. Like I was like, oh, Tony Shalhoub, you know, they're so cute together. But the one thing that the show kind of falls into stereotypically is the fact that the daughter, like the father is like a little easier on her. And she has this like, you know, closer, slightly closer relationship with him. And the mom is like the nag and the rule follower and the, she can't tell her mom things. And that was, that's a little bit like, I'd like to see, I'd like to see a break out of that character mold for her mom in the next season. I'd really like to see her humanized a bit. Cause we get some insight into her, but she hasn't been able to like let her hair down yet as a, as a character. So I'd like to see some of those walls come down just, just to get a little bit more insight and empathy for her. That's a good observation and leads nicely into our next topic here, which is what is your least favorite aspect of the show? I don't know if that's it for you, but I will say for me personally, my least favorite aspect is the character of Joel. Yeah, everyone hates Joel. Joel is the worst. So Joel is Midge's ex-husband or husband. I guess they never technically get divorced in the first season. The problem with his character is that he... Like, in the very first episode, I think that initially you should like him. But I never got to the point where I really liked him. I just was always annoyed by him. I don't know if it's the actor or if it's the character. I think it's probably a little bit of both. The guy who plays him is kind of annoying to me. I don't know. Is that fair? His yeah. name is Michael Zegan. I don't know. There's just something about him that was just like, ugh, gosh, I so do not like him. So here's my problem with Joel. Because I think he has some endearing moments especially in this last episode, like when they're together and 
he is so, he is such, I'm like pausing because I'm trying to think what I was going to say is he's so insecure that it's almost unbearable to watch, but that's only, that's like a, a symptom. The real disease of Joel is that he is not enough for her. He's not a match. He's so far below her capability and that it's like almost like why were they ever even married in the first place? Like I just think that he – the character of Joel can't hold a candle to the character of Midge. And so it's hard to see them or picture them in a marriage on any kind of equal footing, much less with him as the man in this time period because we haven't talked about that, that this is a time period piece set in the 50s. 50s. Yeah, 58. So like this is very much like traditional – gender roles for men and women where he's working and she's home with the kids um, and she has to look pretty all the time. So it's just he and they make it pretty clear in the in the beginning. He's just not good enough for her. And so that to me is the most unbearable part of his character. So maybe that was an intentional thing who they cast in that role, because the guy they cast, Michael Zegan, is almost the same height as Rachel Brosnahan. And so even physically, he doesn't really stand up to her. Whereas some of the other characters, I don't do. think it's the actor. I I, I think it's the character. Because right, I've but, seen this actor in other things, and I think he's good. Yeah, he's fine. I don't really like him. But I think maybe after hearing you say that about his character, maybe it was intentional. Not that they cast someone who is a bad actor, but someone who fits into that role of just really not being able to hold a candle to Midge. That was a good observation. I hadn't really thought about that. Well, and it's not only that because there are pl- like there's always. There's always power shifts in relationships, right? And you would hope that it would go, you can never be completely equal. You would hope it would be sometimes one partner's equal and, or sometimes one partner's in control and sometimes another partner's in control and you each have different strengths and you balance each other out and you defer to each other, you know? But he's just not good at anything. He has nothing. He's not a good businessman. He hates his job. He's horrible at comedy, which is like what he wishes his job was. He's not a great husband to her. He's a lackluster father. I mean, like, he just doesn't have anything that he's talented at. And she has so much. So I I almost wish that Joel had something going for him. Yeah, it's almost a little bit like, I think to that point, if if he's not going to have anything going for him, get him out of the show. Because he's almost like a big weight right now. He's like holding everything. It feels like the fact that they kept almost bringing them back together. I mean, they even do get back together a little bit at the end. It's almost like weighing the show down. And I think that's a real downside of of the, the end of the first season. So maybe, I don't know. I looked at the IMDb. It says he's only in 10 total episodes, which means he might only be in two episodes in the second season. So maybe they're going to move on from Joel. I wouldn't be mad about that. Yeah, we need, we need, I agree with you. We he's need just, less Joel. He's weighing it down. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about here are some of our nitpicks. And I will say that one of mine is, and this could just be my own personality or my own humor style, but when the character of Midge is doing her quote unquote stand up during the show, I don't particularly find that really funny. Is that just me? Do you find it like it's laugh out little... loud funny? 
No, but I don't find stand-up comedy laugh out loud funny. See, I do. I, I find a lot of stand-up comedy really funny. Some of the things she says, I think she's a little more crude for my taste. But I think that the fact that the audience that she's performing to when she is, you know, doing really well, they're laughing and hysterically. I just never get to that point. So I can I can respect the yeah, fact that she... Yeah, but when we she, watch comedy specials like Jim Gaffigan, the audience is laughing like that. Right, but there are more moments in a comedy special where I am laughing out loud. You, you know, like the Jim Gaffigan special we watched recently, there was a whole segment that he talked about where I was like, could barely breathe. I was laughing so hard. And I never get that from the character of, of Midge. And I wonder if that's because Amy Sherman Palladino is not a stand-up comedian herself. And so she's writing it from a character perspective and from a television show perspective, but she's not writing it as a stand-up comedian. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think part of it is also that we're not just seeing her stand-up comedy. We're seeing the life that inspires the stand-up comedy. So like the jokes, we already know what they're going to be because we've already watched them play out in real life. So instead of just like hearing about like with the Jim Gaffigan example, he has a stand-up comedy special. What what did we watch that on? Amazon? We rented it. Somewhere, yeah. We iTunes. rented it. It's good. So rent it, everybody. But there's one, you know, he's making a whole bunch of jokes about how his wife had brain surgery. She's fine. But, you know, it's he's making all these jokes. And all we hear are the funny joke versions. We didn't just watch three scenes about her actually going through that brain surgery. So I think that that may be part of it, too, is that you're watching Midge live her life that then inspires the jokes. But you've already seen the punchline. That's fair. It's just it's just one of those things where when you build a show around the fact that this person is really good at stand up comedy and personally, I don't find her that funny in that part of the show. That's a little bit of a disconnect for me. Do you have any other nitpicks that you would point out? Their apartments are so huge. They're so big. So I don't know if that's a real thing. <laughs> Maybe I just don't know any rich people in New York, but like it's obscene how big these apartments are. So that that to me is always, I'm like get lost in the like, oh my God. But I guess that's not really a nitpick. They're just rich people. Um, but they have, so, I mean, the clothes and the costumes are beautiful and like the lifestyle they lead. Okay, I, I do have a nitpick. I know what you're going to say. The fact that she's never with her kids. No. That's not a nitpick for you? That's no. a nitpick for me. It's so weird. She's she never. seem like she really wants to be. Yeah, but it's it goes back to one of those things. That's, that's like a... every TV. We just talked about Rachel and Ross. I know, like... but that's a problem. When you, ha when you have a child as a character in a show and you rarely reference them, it's it's a problem to me. Like this like this character of Midge can do whatever she wants. And I realize she lives with her parents or. No, but you're totally right. It's just weird that her kids rarely come up. Anyway. Go ahead with your other nitpick. What I was going to say is that the costumes are so stunning, but they look so unrealistic for the weather of New York City. Like the last one was the snow. And I think they made a joke about like the, snoo the shoes are like walking in the snow. But like it's freaking cold in New York in the wintertime. And these ladies have on like nylons and heels and their coats are open and they have no scarves on and no hats. And I just think... That that's like that with all TV, but it, it's always like, can we get some like realistic looking outerwear? People, I don't even know what two of those words you said are, but I am with you. What words? Don't nylons? You? What's a nylon? Those are like tights. Okay. They're thinner. Than Maybe that was the only one that I didn't know. Anything else before we wrap up this conversation of Mrs. Maisel? I recommend it. 
I recommend it Watch as well. Watch it and let us know what you think. Yeah, it's very easy to binge. Oh, I was also going to say when Josh says every week, like, leave us a note on Anchor. Guys, Anchor is the platform where you can call in and leave a voicemail, and then we'll feature you on the podcast. Yeah, you just have to download the Anchor app, which is super easy to do on iPhone or Android or whatever, wherever you get your podcasts, and then you find our show, and you can leave us a message. We'll play it, and then we'll answer your question or respond to your comment. So please do. Great. Maureen, let's move on to our teasers. I will give my teaser first, and then you can talk about yours. My teaser this week, we are now into the holiday season, and one of my favorite things to do is listen to Christmas music during the month of December, or really any time after Thanksgiving. And I'm going to recommend one today by a group that we've talked about before on this podcast called Pentatonix. Pentatonix is an acapella group. They have four Christmas albums out, and all of them are so good. They have amazing arrangements of very popular Christmas songs. And I think we're going to do a whole podcast or at least a whole marquee topic on Christmas music in the next couple weeks. So I will just leave it at, if you have Spotify or Amazon Music or wherever you get your music, check out Pentatonix. Their Christmas stuff is excellent. Maureen, what is your teaser? Okay, so before I get into my teaser, I'm going to piggyback off of your teaser and say I also love listening to Christmas music. And sometimes I get a little frustrated that I can't find like the songs that I might hear at church on Christmas Eve when we go to Mass. So today, a little life hack for you, I was listening to Pandora. And on Pandora, you can select a song and it will base the whole station around that song. So... If you're interested in some really good, maybe more religious Christmas music or songs that you might hear in church, create a Pandora station with Breath of Heaven by Amy Grant, because it is a great one. Oh, my gosh. I was just – we got some Celine Dion, Oh Holy Night action up in there. It was great. Warren, that's a good teaser. Do you want to save your other teaser for next week or the week after, whenever? Sure. You guys will all have to live in suspense next week. What will my teaser be? Who knows? Who knows? All right, that will do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing the popcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. This is... Whoa. Voice already cracked. (laughs) We were barely a millisecond in and my voice cracked. You literally said two words. I said one word before my voice cracked.